illegal participation on the defense. 15-yard penalty from the previous spot remains first down. This had better be a big play after all of that. Second down at eight, four and a half to go in the half, six nothing Beavers. Jonathan from the right hash from the zone 25, goes back to throw, and throws the out, and it's caught, and it's going to be a big play! Chad Johnson down the left sideline, nobody will catch Chad, and it's a touchdown 75 yards for the Beavers! This is the moment, and right here will tell perhaps all about that. Third and one and a half from the right hash. Simon's in the handoff, can't cut to the left, first down and more, 30, 25, 20, Simon on his way, 10, into the end zone, touchdown Beavers, and the streak is going to end here tonight. The snap on target to Nick. he gets a much better punt away here, Sammy Strotter back to his 30 yard line, starts up the middle, gets to the 40, he's got a seam, 45 midfield, 45, 40, he's got a chance to go, 20, 15, 10, 5, Welcome to Illegal Participation, the official podcast of the Heiner Tailgater. Recording this while firmly ensconced at the Heiner Tailgater headquarters, I'm your host and the big bald guy behind the grill, Bill Heine Heinrich. Joining me as always from Twin Pines Vineyards and Airbnb, the director of Thermodynamic Limit Immersion, my co-host and brother, the Beach. Beach, huge question for you. What's your taco count? Uh, I'm up to 26 and, today. And day. Just had one for dinner. And day. Six. Day 26, we, 26 we got, tacos, but. Yeah, that's screwed over. Uh, we missed one taco, but then they screwed up my order and gave me two tacos. Oh. So I'm still netting out at 20 tacos, but I'm not happy because I still feel I got screwed because the one taco that I was supposed to get, they gave me two. I would ask for Doritos Locos and I got two regular tacos and I never have heard back from customer relations and I've sent them three emails now. Uh, okay. Which is, so you're still a little screwed. I'm screwed. I, I feel like I got screwed, you know, and it would be one thing if they like responded and said, well, we're sorry, Mr. Heinrich, but you know, we just can't give you a taco, but they won't even talk to me. You know, there's no, there was the automated response that I got when I sent it in saying, we're on this. You're on it. It's been over a week now, jackasses. How much are you on it? <laughs> Maybe they can't afford anybody to help me because they're only making 38 cents a taco on me. <laughs> That's all they're grossing on your tacos. The yeah. net is even less. Negative. I wonder what a taco actually costs from Taco Bell. I don't know. Here, let's Google it. I can... How much... Does a taco cost Taco Bell? And you know, what people don't realize is when you go to a state that only has an income tax or a sales tax, they don't have to pay an income tax on the money and you're paying the sales tax. Think in Oregon, they really get screwed because they have to pay a tax on their income, plus they have to pay a sales tax on it through that cat tax that those bastards passed a couple of years back. 
So I really wouldn't want to talk about franchise in Oregon because it really gets screwed, especially if they have a promo price on tacos and stuff. Yeah, it certainly doesn't tell us much. It doesn't tell us much. It doesn't say they much. Say that McDonald's, I, I read an article one time where it said that the cost of a McDonald's hamburger relative to the cost of inflation has actually gone down over the years. Really? Yeah. So they said actually a hamburger McDonald's costs less now in real dollars than it did when they were making them in 1955 for like, what, 10 cents? Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. So the franchisees aren't making anything. That article a while back that they said, you know, whenever they would screw up an order, they'd give somebody a little coupon for a Big Mac, you know, you know, thanks for coming back in again. Uh And like they said, that, that coupon is actually non-inflation i mean it, it covers your inflation because no matter what the price that big mac is it's good i still got a couple so, of those a dollar that dollar goes less and less and less as time goes on so you know if the world worked in in a bartering exchange like that as opposed to the dollar we'd all be much better off yeah. so because the dollar's just going to keep losing value until it's worth nothing here in about three years pretty it's much exciting it's getting there <laughs> going to go fat too it's going to be awesome like you watch the old uh, little house on the prairie and they get their christmas penny and they go down to the general store and buy like five different kinds of candy for their penny you know what was funny is um you know dunny and i went to chuck e cheese on uh friday before we went to um go see the five nights of freddy's freddy's and so we were chatting when we were sitting there and she started talking about Wonderland, the old five-cent video oh, yeah. game place. Yeah, there's still one over in Salem, I believe. Yeah, there's one down in Salem. And I'm thinking to myself, how in the hell can Wonderland survive? You know, because, you know, I can understand back in the 80s when normal video games were a quarter and we were paying nickels at Wonderland. But they don't even make video games really anymore because they can't pay for themselves in quarters. You know, you yeah. have to go to, uh, to uh, what, what's that? Um, da- uh, Dave and Buster's. David, you have to go to a Dave and Buster's. And I mean, they even charge you what, what typically for a really good game, two bucks a game. Yeah. When you put it on your credit card, you put it on your little gift card thing. Yeah. Because you, if they only charged a quarter, they would never pay for those machines. Yeah. And I'm thinking, how in the hell does Wonderland survive at a nickel? Well, you know, they, well they charge an entrance fee. Yeah, but still, I just it still makes you wonder. And I think a lot of their games that they're playing on too is those redemption games, so you get the tickets. Okay. I think that's where they. Where they they look, score? Look at, yeah, look at making their money. And then you you get you get a, a tootsie pop or a tootsie roll or a little plastic uh, piece of crud or a little little ring with a sucker on top. Yeah. Good times. Maybe a Chinese finger trap. There you go. Yeah. Well, the purpose of illegal participation is for us to talk beaver sports, tailgating, anything else we find funny and interesting every week, and just generally kind of screw, screw around. Remember, you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, most other podcatchers. If you want to get in touch with us, HeinrichTailgator at gmail.com, at HeinrichTailgator on X, and HeinrichTailgator on Facebook. And Beach, we do not have any emails this week. So let's go right into some beaver sports news. Does nobody love us? Not this week. Not a single one of our 11 listeners can send us an uh, email? We're up to like 12 now. 12. Well, that means there's one more person that's that's ignoring us. <laughs> that, that hurts. That, that just cuts me to the quick. 
Dude, it does. It does. All right, Beach. Well, let's hey, move guys, on to. Reject me. I don't need our listeners to reject me, too. I would say let's move on to better news, but want to move on to some women's volleyball? Oh, God. The only thing the worst could be, well, they don't tie in volleyball, right? No. Yeah. So, so it's, it can't even, it, 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 it yeah. Okay. There's going to be lots of butts involved. Not the kinds I like. Well, Beach, Friday night, the Beavers went up to Seattle to take on the Washington Huskies. But using suffocating defense and a strong offensive attack in the final three sets, they defeated the Huskies Friday night. The Beavs held Washington to sub-200 attacking percentages in the final three sets. Michael Vernon and Megan Sheridan combined for 23 kills as the Beavs used numerous runs to fend off the home-standing Huskies. Amanda Burns tallied her fifth double-double with team highs and assists and digs to add to the pressure. You're crapping me, Billy. No. Were the Huskies ranked, weren't they? No, they were not. Oh, do they suck worse than us? I don't know. But Beach, then the Beavs had to go into Pullman to take on the sixth-ranked Cougars of Washington State on Sunday afternoon. The only other Pac-2 team. Yep. And, but? The Beaver volleyball team secured its first top-10 upset of the Lindsay Behonick era with a five-set thriller over number 6 Washington State. Now, competing in her home state, Ryan White had a career-best 29 digs to help the Beavs secure the win. On the offensive front, Peyton Seuss led with 18 kills, followed by Michael Vernon with 17, and Megan Sheridan adding 16. The Beavs are now 9-13 overall, 4-8 in the Pac-12, and they will open their penultimate two-match homestand by welcoming Colorado to Gill Coliseum on Friday, November 3rd. First serve against the Buffaloes is set for 7 p.m. You you can't see me right now, but Billy, but I just fell off my chair. Did you? I did. It's a good one, huh? Yeah, shocked. Yeah. Yeah, amazing. So two in a row. Yep. Probably the only two in a row we'll get, but hey. And a a top 10 upset on the road. Damn right. All the way up in Pullman. Yep. Thank God they play inside, not outside up there this time of year. Yeah. Well, Beach, let's move on to some women's soccer. Of course, beach volleyball would be fun to watch up there at the time of year, wouldn't it? Well, when we were in Arizona, we saw the beach volleyball courts for uh, the the Wildcats. Let's move on to some women's soccer. Oh, oh, you know what? I got something to add. Okay. So when I wasn't invited to go to the game this last weekend, I, I decided to go to Spirit Mountain on Saturday because I don't have TV. And so I was going to watch the game at Spirit Mountain. And they took like 100 bucks for me. But I was sitting at the, the sports bar in there just watching the game. This dude sits next to me. We start chatting because, you know, no girls will talk to me. So I have to talk to a middle-aged man. That's, not, that's fine. So we're chatting. And he was a Beaver fan too. And I said I, – and I think he said he's from uh, Minnesota. And I said, uh, I said what, what brings you here from Minnesota? He says, oh, my daughter goes to school at Oregon State. She's on the soccer team. I said, really? Who's your daughter? And he said, Anna Wagner. Are you there? Okay. Okay. So I met Anna Wagner's dad. So we have a conversation, watching the game, cheering on the beeves. And I said, I said, you should come to our tailgater. He says, where is it? I said, it's right next to the girl thing. He's like, you know, I might do that. He says, I'm not going to be back in time for uh, 
for uh, Sausage Fest, but I might come for you a dub and, and cheesesteaks. And he says, I might bring some of the girls with me. He says, by that time, the game's over so they can join us. I'm like, absolutely, bring the soccer team. So maybe if we're lucky, we'll get some of the girls' soccer team to join us. Okay. So. Well, anyway, so go on. What did the girls' soccer team do, Billy? Did Anna Wagner do any good? The Oregon State women's soccer team battled Washington State to a 2-2 draw in a back-and-forth match Thursday evening at Paul Lorenz Field. The Bees led twice in the game, once in each half, but on both occasions the Cougs were able to equalize. McKenna Martinez netted her sixth goal of the season and her 28th of her collegiate career as she moved into a tie with Chelsea Buckland for fourth in program history. Megan Turry recorded the second Oregon State goal, the first tally of her OSU career. Then on Sunday afternoon at Lorenz Field, the Oregon State women's soccer team earned a 0-0 draw against the Washington Huskies. Senior Haley Cole had a standout performance in net, making 10 saves to give her a total of 21 over her last two matches. The goalkeeper now has 197 career saves as she moved up to 7th on Oregon State's all-time list. The, the Beavs are now 3-8-7 overall, 0-6-4 in the Pac-12, and will wrap up its season next Friday when it hosts Oregon in the Civil War Series. Nice. Ready for some men's soccer? Oh, I guess so, Billy. The Oregon State men's soccer team earned a Pac-12 road victory, one to nothing over San Diego State Thursday evening in San Diego. Logan Farrington netted the game's only goal, hammering home a free kick in the 59th minute. The tally marked Farrington's 11th goal of the season as he moved into a tie with Timmy Moeller and Alan Gordon for sixth on Oregon State's single-season goals list. Then on San... Then on Sunday afternoon in L.A., the Oregon State men's soccer team battled UCLA to a 0-0 draw. That of game, course they did. That game leaves the Beavs with a 7-5-4 mark on the season, 4-1-4 in the Pac-12, with one game remaining in the regular season. So now, if every game came to a draw, would there be a champion? Uh... There'd be have to some, yeah, they'd have some sort of tiebreaker. Just start counting up who who scored most. Probably, some kind of goal differential. A bunch of crap. Now the UCLA game marked the third straight opponent Oregon State a shutout, and the fifth shutout by Oregon State this season. The Beavs will be off this next week before they wrap up the regular season on November 9th when Washington visits Lorenz Field. On to some women's cross country. Grace Feathersonha and Kaylee Mitchell raced to the best two finishes by Oregon State runners at the Pac-12 Cross Country Championships, finishing second and third on Friday morning. The Beaver duo missed on the title by six and ten seconds, respectively, racing with the lead group for the entire race before losing touch in the final kilometer. Oregon State placed sixth of the team, just five points off its best team total in school history, with 105. Now, freshman Ruby Broadbent continued her promising first campaign with the Beavs, placing 30th overall and third on the team. Redshirt sophomore Sage Brooks followed in 35th, while true sophomore Kate Laurent battled for 38th, rounding out the scoring runners for OSU. Uh, now, Abigail Pratter gave Oregon State its final top 50 runner at the meet, coming in at 44th. The NCAA West Regionals for Cross Country will happen on November 10th. Alrighty. Women's basketball kicked off the season on Sunday. Finally. 
the women took a quarter to get their legs under them and a new look team that features six newcomers with many in important roles. Then they unleashed an outstanding defensive effort en route to a decisive 80-43 victory over Western Washington. The Beavs allowed just 23 points over the final 30 minutes and held the visitors to a 26.8% shooting from the floor during that time. Reagan Beers got back to being dominant to open the second half. The sophomore simply outmuscled Western down low, opening the final 20 minutes with two three-point plays to get the Beavs going. She finished with a team-high 17 points to go with seven rebounds, three assists, and three steals. Oregon State outscored the visiting Vikings 29-4 in a dominant third quarter. Sweet. Um, now that game was an exhibition. The Beavs will officially tip off the 23-24 season on Monday, November 6th, against Arkansas Pine Bluff. That game is slated for a 5.30 p.m. start. Arkansas Pine Bluff? Correct. Is that like a community college? No. It's like... Uh, what? Uh, is it like part of University of Arkansas? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's just is a it different kind of, campus. Okay. Kind of like you have Cal so, Berkeley or UCLA. I was just going to say, I'm surprised Arkansas has enough to justify two. Yeah, it's funny because Arkansas Pine Bluff would always be in the old um, NCAA football games. And so when I'd get a new game, whoever I was usually playing as the Beavs, I'd always play against Arkansas Pine, Pine Bluff because they kind of sucked. <laughs> and so I'd always use them as my warm-up so I'd kind of get my feet underneath me so I knew what I was yeah. doing. Yeah. So. Hey, hey Billy. So, uh, yeah, Beavs, we're moving on to men's basketball. Oregon <laughs> <laughs> State, <laughs> State men's basketball. Okay. The Oregon State men's basketball team took down Southern Oregon 84-61 to Sunday afternoon in another exhibition game at Gill Coliseum. The Beavs led by as many as 30 in the contest, but the Beavs will open the regular season on November 6th when Linfield visits Corvallis. The Beavs are doing a great job being exhibitionists, aren't they? There we go. And, Beach, yeah. our final piece of news. Uh-huh. Oregon State Athletics was thrilled to announce that the official induction ceremony for the 2023 Hall of Fame class will be held Friday, November 10th at 6.30 p.m. in the Toyota Club level of Reeser Stadium. The 2023 Hall of Fame class will also be recognized on the field during the Oregon State-Stanford football game on Saturday, November 11th at Reeser Stadium, which we just found out will kick off at 2.30. So, so they're going to... We're going to be celebrating that with Sausage Fest. Yes. Now the the class inductees for 2023 Beach include yeah, they include the 2026th women's softball team. That one went to the Women's College World Series. Hold on, 2020. Oh, sorry, 2006, which okay. went to the uh, Women's College World Series. The okay. 2016 women's basketball team, which is the okay. one that went to the Final Four, and had the Pac-12. Player of the Year in Jamie Weisner and Defensive Player of the Year in Ruth Hamblin. Mm-hmm. It also features uh, past athletic director Bob DeCarolis. Okay. Oregon State head coach Mike Riley. Okay. Basketball great Brent Berry. You, you, you know, whether you, you like or hate Riley, you, you have to give him credit that he was really a turning point for Oregon State. Twice. Twice, but but really brought brought that really got it going to the point that we are now. You couldn't be here without him. Correct. 
So, so. basketball great Brent Berry, mm-hmm. who was twice the player of the year in the Pac-12 and also won a couple uh, championships in the NBA with the Spurs. He was also okay. the 15th pick overall when wow. he got drafted in 95, I believe. That's impressive. Uh, rower Josh Inman. Women's gymnastics star Mandy Rodriguez. Women's okay. volleyball star Rachel Rourke. And was Rachel Rourke? She played in volleyball. But at what year? Her senior year was 2009. Okay. And football players, mm-hmm. Mike Hass. Oh, damn. He deserved to have it 10 years ago. Steven Jackson. That's awesome. And Husky killer, Alexis Serna. That's awesome. You know, talk about, a, you know, Alexis Serna, I think, will go down in history just because of how he started and how he finished. Yep. And he was originally a walk-on. Really? Yep. Impressive. Hey, Billy. Yes, Pete. You hear that? I do now. Okay, hold on here. Hold on. Billy. Yes, Beach. This just in. Oregon football coach Dan Lanning calls for common sense approach to gun violence and mental health. After the Oregon Ducks beat the Utah Utes, 35 to 6 on Saturday in Salt Lake City, U of O coach Dan Lanning took a couple of minutes to urge action when it comes to the issues of gun violence and mental health. Lanning began by saying, I want to take a quick second to say something that's important to our players. And I wouldn't normally hop into this, but I want everybody to understand that this is not political in any way. But as a dad of three kids, a 13-year-old, a 12-year-old, a 10-year-old, I see at times what's going on in this country, and I think I have a platform that is worth saying something about. What I'll say right now is, where is the respect for human life? I think there's a lot more to this. People can say, let's make it about guns. Let's make it about mental health. Why can't we use common sense approach and make it about everything? He concluded by saying, so again, I'm not trying to be political, but I do care about human life. And I do care about human decency. And I'm hoping that at some point we can take a stand and do something about it. In unrelated news, U of O students held a rally on campus on Friday at the Emu Amphitheater in support of the Palestinians. The Students for Justice in Palestine hosted the rally in partnership with the Young Democratic Socialists of U of O. They demand Israel commit to a ceasefire in order to allow Hamas and its mentally unstable supporters to acquire more guns and weapons from its terrorist allies such as Iran and Qatar so they can shoot more unarmed women and children in the heads for no other reason than they hate Jews and want them all dead. In additional unrelated news, the U of O campus police have ended their investigation of the four-foot black spray-painted swastika that was emblazoned on the carpet of the U of O back in 2010. In a statement, the campus police said that the symbol must have been placed by a Nazi group traveling through Eugene, as there are no Nazi groups or any people that support their ideology at the U of O campus. And this has been your Heinrich Tailgater update from Eugene. The only thing I have to say about that is when you say you don't want to get political, you're probably getting political. All I can say is you want to have you want to uh, stop gun violence, and then you support a group that likes to go into their neighboring country, break into their borders, and then shoot everybody in the head for no other reason than who they are. 
yeah. yet you want to stop yeah you, you can't you can't have it both ways yeah you know uh, that's just bs and that that's freaking nazism right there you know that that's that's the the final solution is all they're promoting i don't care what you say anyway yeah. i uh so i watched yeah. uh I, I watched an interesting documentary just uh, yesterday about on um it was it was about the the guys who were recruited to kill the jews um and they, they, these guys weren't um, military men. They were actually drafted by the um, by the Third Reich, and like I said, they they were just guys who were plumbers, you know, bakers, that, that kind of stuff. But they they needed uh, local people who weren't fighting the wars, but they were rounding up the the Jews. And this is before they started the concentration or before they started the concentration camps and the gas chambers. And they just brought them in, and they would dig a trench grab all the Jews. And they said it was at first, they said they would actually have conversations walking with the Jews to the, to the pit. And then they made them all stand in the pit and they shot them all in the head. They said they made the uh, women hold the babies in front of them so they could shoot the, the baby and the woman at the same time to save ammunition. Just disgusting. Absolutely disgusting. <sighs> and, um, and they said, no, it was, it was just, it was, they, they, you know, they, the, the Nazis, for some reason they had actual some footage some some people actually recorded it. Um, they they didn't do much because ultimately what they were doing was was heinous war crimes. Yeah. But um, yeah. No. But they, no. They the just... only thing I have to say the difference between the Nazis and what happened on October seventh was at the end when the when the Allies were bearing down on them, the Nazis tried to cover up what they were doing. Oh yeah, these guys didn't try to cover up anything that they did on October seventh. No, they took videos. They, they took videos and pictures and put it out there, and mm-hmm. people celebrated. So, anyways, let's go, beads. Let's get off that topic and let's go under further review for week number nine in the Pac-12. After further review, the runner did cross the line. The Touchdown! Week number nine. Number nine. Okay, so heading into the week, Beads. Let me get to my page here. There we were. Heading yeah. into the week. Number nine always reminds me of Yoko Ono. You number were, nine. You number were nine. at 37 out of 53. Kyle, mm-hmm. I hate you, Kyle. Kyle was at 39 out of 53, and I was at 41 out of 53. You and I had four for four weeks last week. Kyle was three for four. Hmm. Okay, well, let's start out. So this week, first up, all the games were on October 28th. We had Oregon at Utah. Who'd you take? And we, we all picked Utah. We did, and boy, was that a bad pick. That, that yeah. You know, I had a, I had a, a friend of mine, an old, old elementary school friend of mine. It's on my Facebook. And he posted the um, he posted after the outcome on Saturday. He said, "I hope you you Oregon State Beavers understand that you don't even belong in the same same league as U of O. You know that you can't even beat ASU and after U of O beat Utah." And I thought, "Wow, that's incredibly rude." Thirty-eight, thirty-four. Pretty much. Yeah, I just I just came to mind. So yeah. 38-34. Anyway, go on, Billy. Knock, knock. Who's there? 
38, 34, the Beast beat the Ducks. <laughs> That's my favorite joke. All right, Beach. Well, Beach, Oregon quarterback Bo Nix threw for 248 yards and two touchdowns to lead number eight Oregon to a 35 to 36 victory over number 13 Utah, snapping the Utes' 18 game home winning streak. Now, the senior completed 70% of, 77% of his passes, finishing with a 70% or better completion rate for an eighth consecutive game dating back to the 2022 Holiday Bowl. Troy Franklin tallied 99 yards and a touchdown on eight catches for the Ducks. Bucky Irving added 83 yards and a touchdown on the ground. Now, Oregon won in Salt Lake City for the first time since 2016. The Ducks racked up 390 total yards and forced two turnovers. You know, I, I can't stand to watch the the duck games because the commentators just 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 orgasm over Bo Nix the whole time, and it just pisses me off. Well, I have to say this year he's playing better, and he's playing more in himself. He does look more mature when he's back there. He's not trying to be the guy. He tried to run the ball last year a lot. He's not trying to do that this year. He's playing more with think, what the the defense is giving him. I I still think I mean just the I don't know I just get tired of all the the um, oh don't get me wrong I hate the bastards too. Yeah, I mean they just oh my god it's Bo Nix I'm like god dang can you grab some tissues and clean off the inside of the screen please yeah. you know yeah I agree. <laughs> but they're playing much better and that game really blew me away how they just beat him up. Yeah, because Utah should have had a better showing than that, I think. But they apparently had a better game plan than Utah did. Mm-hmm. So. All right, Beach. Okay. None of us got the win there. Next up, USC at Cal. Oh, my gosh. Um, we all picked USC on this one. USC. That... Well, USC defensive back Jalen Smith deflected – Cal quarterback Fernando Mendoza's pass in the end zone on a two-point conversion try with 58 seconds remaining, and Southern California ended a two-game losing streak with a 50-49 to win over Cal on Saturday. Wow. Now, the Trojans rallied after trailing by 11 at halftime. What were you going to say? No defense there, is there? I've told you the Trojans' defense sucks all year. It does. Yeah. And they, the Trojans were uh, down by 11 at halftime. USC scored 21 points in the fourth quarter and went ahead 50-43 to 43 on Austin Jones' seven-yard touchdown run with 3.33 remaining. But Mendoza then drove the Bears 79 yards in nine plays, connected with Javion Thomas on a 13-yard swing pass on third and nine. With no shot at the conference title, the Bears chose to go for the win rather than an extra point to tie. Now, it was the biggest play by USC's defense, which gave up 527 yards but did force four turnovers. So a couple things interesting in that, Beach. One, I don't know why they went for the win there. You're at you, home. You, you would you would have gone for the tie. I go for the tie at home. Gods are in your favorite I, at home. I, I like, and, unless you think that other team is just that much better than you, right? Mm-hmm. Where you think, hey, this is our only shot. If we go to overtime, you know, they're gonna just shove it down our throat. I go to overtime when I'm at home. Yeah. The other thing that was interesting in this game, Beach. So, uh, USC completed a pass right at the end of regulation in the first half. 
and they wanted uh, to call a timeout. But the refs said, nope, half is over. Order both teams into the, their respective locker rooms. USC coach Lincoln Riley went up to the officials and said, I think there was still time left on that clock when we got down on that first down play. The official said, does it matter? You know, it's it's halftime. He said, well, I still got a timeout. I want to review. So during halftime, they reviewed the play and determined there still should be a second left. Wow. So when they came out after halftime, they would put one second on the clock and USC lined up for a field goal. And guess what? They got it. Cal still had a, had a timeout left. So just before they snapped the ball, Cal called their last timeout of the half. <laughs> oh, God. And then guess what? What? USC missed the field goal. Oh. And then the very next thing they did was line up for the second half kickoff. That's weird. Yeah, it was funny. When when uh, Cal called that timeout, I was like, oh, that's so good. That's so good. I would have done the same thing. You know, <laughs> screw you guys. Call a timeout. I thought it was did, hilarious. Did they, did they get the kick off when they called the timeout or no? No, they didn't. Okay, okay. Yeah, well, yeah. you know, sometimes you call the timeout, but they still go through the motions and kick. Yeah. You know, just curious if it made it. Oh, no, I so. think that one might have gone through. Okay. But they, okay. they called it out long before they snapped. So they called the timeout, but then they snapped it. So, yeah, it was just great. I thought it was hilarious. It's like, yes, gamesmanship. I love it. Anyways, so we all picked USC and got the win on that one, Beej. Next up, Early. we had That's... Washington at Stanford. I was watching this game, and I was so rooting for Stanford. Mm-hmm. But they failed. Well, Washington quarterback Michael Penix Jr. threw four touchdown passes, and number five Washington took advantage of a fourth down drop to hold off a fierce comeback attempt and beat Stanford 42-33 to on Saturday for its 15th straight win. Now, a week after being held without an offensive touchdown and a win over Arizona State, the Huskies got their passing game going well enough to hold off the Cardinal and extend the second longest winning streak in the nation. Now, Washington was stuck in a tight game entering the fourth quarter, facing a third and eight while leading by only two points. Penix then converted with a 15-yard pass to Jeremy Bernard and then found Devin Culp wide open for a 24-yard score that made it 35-26. to So I, Washington, the last two or three weeks, actually ever since that Oregon game, has looked very beatable. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, the fact that Stanford, what who should be the, the worst team in the Pac-12, mm-hmm. thank you. I mean, challenged them the whole game. Um, yeah, makes you makes you wonder. I uh, just surprising. Yeah. So, so but we all got a point there. Yep. So next up was uh, Colorado at uh, UCLA. Yep. Who did everybody take? We all took UCLA, not yeah. because we bitch tips, but we just because we believe UCLA can beat Colorado. Correct. UCLA led seven to six at halftime but scored touchdowns on three of its first four drives in the second half to take control. That helped turn the tide from a first half where they turned it over four of their seven possessions, including two in the red zone. So they were pretty much handing it to Colorado in the first half? No, it was seven to six at halftime. 
No, but I mean, they kept giving him the ball. Yeah. Yeah. Given Colorado opportunities. The Bruins posted seven sacks in a game for the first time since 2019 and are fourth nationally with 31. Five players are credited with at least half a sack as linebacker Laitau Latou led the way with two. Now, what? name again, Billy? Laitau Latou. L-A-I-A-T-U. Laitau Latou, L-A-T-U. Colorado uh, lost uh, 28-16. It's the third time this season that Shadur Sanders has been sacked at least seven times in the game. The Buffs have allowed 42 sacks this season, the most in football bowl subdivision. Really? At halftime, Colorado coach Deion Sanders said his son received a pain-killing injection. Because he's getting his ass kicked. Beat up. Jeez. So I would say the Beavs need to do the same thing. Lots of pressure. Mm Mm-hmm. So. Okay. We we all got the win there. Yep. So next up was Wazoo at Azu. Yep. Who'd everybody take? Well, I picked Washington State. You guys picked Arizona State. You took Wazoo? Yeah, I took Wazoo. Oh, damn it. Okay. That's I mean my notes show Wazoo. Okay, yeah, that's what I've got written down. Yeah. Did I get a did I get an extra point than everybody else did? Well, Beach, the Carlos the, Brooks ran for a career high sixty seven yards and three touchdowns in his first start of the season. And Arizona State broke a six-game losing streak with a 38-27 to victory over Washington State on Sunday. On Saturday. Son of a bitch. Arizona State running back Cameron Scadaboo had 121 yards rushing and a touchdown for the Sun Devils, who had a season high in points and also had a season high with 502 total yards of offense and 235 rushing yards. For, well, for Washington State, Cameron Ward passed for 315 yards and a touchdown and ran for two scores for the Cougs, who have lost four in a row for the first time since 2014. Ward, just, who entered the game ranked fifth. What? They just fell right on their face. Yeah, Ward, who entered the game ranked fifth in the FBS in total offense at 335.5 yards per game and sixth with 316.7 yards pass per game, moved the Cougs to the Arizona 2 with two minutes remaining, but threw an incomplete pass on fourth down, and Arizona State ran out the clock. Pipe games. Yes. Pac-12 was pretty good this year. Yeah, I mean, out, outside of the uh, Oregon game, everything else pretty tight. was was pretty competitive, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, Beach, after this week, looks like you picked up three of five and moved up to 40 out of 58. Kyle picked up four of five and moved to 43 out of 58. And I also picked up four of five and I'm at 45 out of 58. What if the math is even possible for me to win at this point? I mean, if you pick opposite of everything I pick. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, Bees. Last game of the week. Oregon State at Arizona. 
Arizona quarterback Noah Fafita threw two touchdown passes to Michael Wiley in the fourth quarter, and Arizona beat number 11 Oregon State 27-24 Saturday night for its second straight win over a ranked opponent. Now, the sophomore threw for 275 yards on 25 of 32 passing and three touchdowns, hitting Wiley on passes of 40 and three yards in the final quarter. Now, Wiley had missed the previous three games with an ankle injury. For the Beavs, DJ Uyunglele hit Jimmy Valson the third on a 20-yard touchdown with 138 left. But Oregon State couldn't come up with the onside kick. Uyunglele finished with 218 yards and two touchdowns on 16 of 30 passing. Oregon State finished with 131 rushing yards, more than 50 below its average. And B, did you watch the game? What did you think? Um, I think our tackling sucks. I would agree with that. The Beavs make good contact a lot of times in the hole or behind the line, but they're not able to bring the guy down. No, and I'm like, do you think that your your sheer the sheer speed of your 180 pound frame is going to knock? I mean, I understand trying to get underneath and knock his legs out, but my God, it seems like we go for the tackle and he gets another five yards after a, a lot all all year long. Well, and they're and they're stopping forward progress, right? It's not like the guy's just bouncing off them and going. They're stopping forward progress and holding them up, but they can't finish the tackle. Yeah, right? I, I don't that, – that, that's been one of my biggest pet peeves this year. Yeah, probably the last four or five games. Yeah. Where yeah. they just, and you know, I, he'll, he'll hit the hole. The, the runner will hit the hole. They'll stone him right there. Mm-hmm. And then he'll eventually work his way out and then run for another five or six yards. Yeah, yeah, and you're not going to win games if you continue to allow those extra five yards every yeah. freaking time. Um, you know, even when you get them in the background, you know, and you feel like you're going to get them for a loss, you yeah. don't get them for as good a loss as you think you should exactly. because he, he gets an extra five yards out of it. Exactly. And um, if you have to learn how to get them and knock them down, offense wouldn't have as much trouble Yeah, because he'd be halfway down the field by that well, time. Well, and, and the or, defense, or you, you, you could also scare him from trying to go after those, those four, those third down conversions or fourth down conversions. Because they're going to say, hey, you know what? We're not getting the yardage because they're knocking us back. Yeah. But sure, you, you get them and you stop them on the line and then they get an extra five yards out of it. Yeah. Well, and so. I, I know for me, uh, you got to remember that the defense was missing um, Isaac Hodgins on the defensive line. And I didn't realize he was nicked up. So I guess he was there, but he was not dressed down to play. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're missing the guy there. And um, also Ryan Cooper, the uh, – was it uh, Ryan Cooper the third? The the cornerback uh, was hurt, and they were starting a true freshman out there. I thought he played pretty well, all things considered. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the defense was okay. They gave up. They gave up some plays you wouldn't like to see. The forty yard touchdown pass sucked because they had a couple shots at him, but took mm-hmm. some really terrible pursuit angles, and just couldn't mm-hmm. couldn't get him out of bounds. Um, the one thing I really hated to see was that roughing the passer call on that third down play in the second quarter. I don't understand that. That was a horrible call. It was I, horrible. I'm like, he, you can't, I mean, if, if we, we were talking about it when I was sitting there at the bar and we're like, he, he could he didn't have time to pull back. And if you know, you're going to pull back, then what's going to stop a quarterback from throwing the ball. Well, they tried to say he, he hit him up around the head, but I mean, if that's hitting around the head, I, I don't know what the hell. You no, know? It was a then, then a little while later, DJ got pulled down by the throat 
Yes. They didn't call that. Mm-hmm. You know, but DJ's like 6'3", six, 6'5", six, something like that. And that Fafita's 5'11". And I think that's a little bit of a joke. I think he's more like 5'9". But anyways, and I, I just, I, I, that bothers me. Well, and that that cost us that drive, did it not? Well, it was basically a turnover for the defense because that was third and yeah. nine. And it should have been yeah. fourth down and a punt. Yeah. Yeah. And they went down to score after that. I know a lot of people didn't like the fake punt call. I didn't either. Uh, if you listen to Smith after the game, they asked him about it, and he said during the bye week, as they were breaking down film, they saw something in how Arizona defends PATs and field goals that they thought they could exploit. That said, they've set that play up, but it was supposed to be used at five yards and in. So if it was a field goal from the five-yard line or in, they yeah. were going to run it. He did it, what, about the 10? No, he did it at like the 16. Because oh, the, 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 the ball was at the 23. It was a 20. Maybe it was. But then the problem was they also showed that they were almost going to do that. The, the play the before, yeah, because they got they got stopped. Yeah. Um, that said, that play would have worked if they were about eight yards closer in. Mm-hmm. but it was too far. And, mm-hmm. and and coach and Smith even said, that's on me. I was chomping at the bit to call it. I got too aggressive. I shouldn't have done it. And that's true. Right. Um, mm-hmm. What I really didn't like about the end of that second quarter was the bees intercepted there at about the 50 yard line and really just had horrible clock management getting the ball down there before they even attempted that fake field goal. And at one point, they completed a first down pass with about 25 seconds to go. And we were sitting on that sideline on the Beaver sideline. And mm-hmm. I could see Smith standing right beside the official. And I'm yelling timeout timeout. Cause he, at that point he had like two of them, right? Mm-hmm. You got 25 seconds left. Call a timeout. Cause in 25 seconds, you might get three plays. That's right? about three plays, maybe yeah. three plays. So run a play, then you can run a pass play, right? Or you mm-hmm. can even run a run play and call a timeout and then run a, run a pass play, right? Mm-hmm. But you need to call a timeout there because you can run a run play or a pass play, right? Mm-hmm. Either or, like a pass play into the end zone and still use your timeout and, and still have a chance to kick a field goal if you didn't get in there. And I saw him go up to the, to the ref and he was getting there. I'm like, dude, call a timeout. And he didn't. And I could see him hesitating. And it's the only time I've seen Smith and all the time I've watched him on the sideline, not be sure in what he wanted to do. And it was, it was the hesitation really got me because that's not how he coaches. But the more I watched the game, that's how the team was playing. That team does not play the same on the road as it does at home. I, I just don't see the same fire, the same kind of swagger that just the same emotion out of them. It was weird. They play better to a hometown crowd. Exactly. Now, don't get me wrong. Arizona won the game. Oregon State's a better football team. Oh, yeah. Oregon State's a better football team than that. Um, But Arizona won the game. They did what they needed to do to win. But Oregon State's a better football team. Well, it always goes back. Are you playing to win or are you playing not to lose? Yeah. And then the other thing, too, is – Like, for for Oregon State, I always feel like there's – 
games where we're trying not to lose. Yep. And it always seems like the ones we lose. Yep. Well, and that beats that onside kick. Damn it. They had a shot at that thing. You know, I felt they should have been more aggressive on, because you can take out their guys. Can't you? Only once the ball goes 10 yards. So you can't hit their guys. You can't run down, down there. And, and if they come up, uh, if they come up, then you can, then they, you can hit them. But, but, you know, I was surprised they did because they can grab the ball before it goes 10 yards. You they just can't can grab it. Correct. Yeah. I was surprised they didn't jump on it. Well, and it they, a, they should have been more aggressive after, to come up and get it. Exactly. That, Unless they yeah, thought was, it wasn't going to go, but it was the way it was spinning. Kind of mm-hmm. figured it was going to catch and, and kick up those next couple yards. And it did. And the Beavs had a shot at it. It was right there, but they just didn't get on it. Yeah. So. But no, when, when I saw that, I'm like going, why aren't they going after the ball? Because they can, we can't. Yeah. You know, they were all acting like it was a hot potato. Yeah. And I'm like, going, for Pete's sake. Yeah, they need to get on it. Um, and the other yeah. thing I want to see more in that second half is run the damn ball. Mm-hmm. I know we've got a really good quarterback. I know we've got some fast damn receivers. But they were picking up. I know what we said they were, you know, a lot of yards off their average, the Beavs were. But damn mm-hmm. it, run the freaking ball. Well, DJ had that one. We had the one fantastic drive. Well, and, and Martinez was picking up five, six yards of crack. Fenwick was picking up four or five yards of crack. And there's a couple drives where they're throwing first down passes. It's incomplete. And all of a sudden, it's second and ten, and you're behind the sticks. And it's mm-hmm. like, run the ball on first down. Pick up four, five, six yards. You know, yeah. Then you can throw on second down if you want. And if you don't, you are still got third and you know, five, third yeah. and six. Hell of a lot yeah. better than third and ten. Yeah, and absolutely. they were just killing themselves, and that that just bothered me. Now this week against Colorado, Colorado's rush defense is like 96th in the nation. Jam it down their damn throats. Yes, just drive it, drive You're, it. Drive you've it. got you've got three pretty damn good running backs in Martinez, Fenwick, and Newell, and they're all pretty damn healthy. What what time is the Run game up. on Saturday? Uh, kickoff is at seven o'clock, eight o'clock mm. Colorado time. It's going to be a cold one. Nipple hardening cold. Oh yeah, because it's up there, isn't it? Yep. Mm. So, but yeah, will it they was have just, snow? what was that? Will they have snow? I don't think they have snow yet. They could though. Who was it? Was it was it Air Force had snow at the game on Saturday that I was watching? Somebody was playing. I think it was Colorado State Air Force, and Colorado State was throwing snowballs. Yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, it was and they they, they penalized the crowd for throwing snowballs. Oh really? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Let me see. I think that's what I saw. Yeah, Colorado State was penalized after th- uh, fans were throwing snowballs at Air Force. Hmm. So they're not far away from Colorado, so they could have snow. Yeah, no, it might be fun. Yeah. So, anyways, just a disappointing, a disappointing outcome to that game. Because, like I yeah. said, I still think the Beavs are 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 the better team. That said, uh, the Beavs are now six and two overall. And uh, bowl eligible, and, and still got a chance of going ten and two. Still got a chance of going ten and two, and there's a lot of stuff still on the board that they can qualify for. Nothing is out of their reach at this point. <laughs> they now want no longer control what's in their reach. They need a little help, depending on what's going on. But yeah, I think they will. I think they will get some of that. Yeah, it'll. I'm. I'm anxious to see. Um, how Washington goes up against USC and how Washington does against Utah. Yeah, uh, I don't think Washington plays Utah. 
Uh, I think they play them in three weeks. Do they? I think so. My <sighs> notes here show USC this week, Utah next week. And then the Beavs? Then, and then Wazoo. Okay. Yeah, then you're, there you go. So, yeah. So, well, and you've got um, Washington, USC this week. So one of those teams above the Beavs in the Pac-12 is going to take a loss. Yeah. All right? And uh, either of those works because USC would then end up with two Pac-12 losses or Washington will have a Pac-12 loss. So I know this is a lot of theorizing here, Beavs though. can't lose. No. Beavs so, so to win out. This is a lot of theorizing here, though. So if Beavs went out, okay, so Beavs went out, then Oregon goes below us because we're head there's same record and they have they have a loss head to head. Yep. And then uh if if and we beat Washington, but Washington only has uh one loss against us, we're still two losses, so they still go ahead of us, right? Yeah. But you just okay. need to be in the top two. Then USC would have two losses. Two losses. And then how would they? How would what would the tiebreaker be against USC? For us? Um, well, it would be how they they didn't play each other, so it'd be, I believe, it would be how did they do against the number one team? Or would it be how they did in the non-conference games? No, it would Is be that... how would they how did they do against the teams above them? Oh, okay. so it would be Washington. Okay. So, quite frankly, the Beavs can't lose. Yeah. Because no matter to. what, USC or Washington one of those teams will end up with two losses, mm-hmm. right? So the Bees just can't lose. And the way, I mean, you, you still need a couple of those other teams to take losses, but I don't think it's going to matter. Yeah. You know, you're tied with, you're tied with three teams and two of them, you have the wins over and I don't see Arizona. And, going and, Oregon, and Oregon still has to play USC too. Yeah. So those so, two of those teams are going to end up with losses. Yeah. You've got, you've so got actually, or, two. The, yeah, there's going to be losses. So there's it, Oregon be, beating USC actually benefits us. The Beavs need to beat Colorado this week. That's the big thing. <laughs> Everything else will take care of itself. The Beavs just need to win. Yeah, I wonder if Colorado's still getting the draw on their uh, on their yeah. watch like first week. They, Are they, they still st- getting to win the yep, games? They still uh, that. So that game for uh. uh UCLA, Colorado, 77,000 people there. Biggest attendance since Chip Kelly's been the head coach. Really? Yeah. And probably a ton of viewers on, on TV as well. Yeah. And, and Colorado was four and three going into that game. Nobody was at that Stanford game. Nobody. Yeah. That was absolutely pathetic showing of, of attendance at Stanford. So they, they show that stadium, and I'm like, you and I have been to that stadium, and it isn't a very big stadium relative no. to the rest of Pac-12. Not anymore, yeah. Yeah, and and you're sitting there, and, I mean, it, it was it, – it, it was – I mean, I don't think it was a tenth full. Yep. You know, that was pathetic. All so. right, let's move on to the Pac-12 in the polls, Beach, after this week in the AP poll. Yeah. I guess Stanford's more excited about their, their latest IP than they are uh, – uh, their latest IPO as opposed to Probably. going to the next yeah. – yeah. So, so Washington is at number five in the AP. Oregon is up to six. Oregon State fell to 16. Utah, mm-hmm. 18. UCLA, 20. USC stays at 24. And Arizona is in the others receiving votes category. In the coaches poll, Washington State at, or excuse me, Washington at five. 
Oregon at 7. Utah is up to 18. Oregon State falls to 19. UCLA at 20. And USC State at 22. Arizona is also in the others receiving votes category. Interesting that Utah's ahead of us, even though we beat them. Yeah. Yeah, but that's just in the coaches' poll. Yeah. So. All right, Beach. It is now time for the Tommy Tuberville. What's he think I look like? A jackass? You sure do. <laughs> a jackass of the week award. Every week, like discuss person in college football, exemplifies the truly worst in sportsmanship, leadership, or just being a fan. And this week, Beach, I guess we're giving it to fans. Where? I don't know. I don't think you've heard this yet. I saw something on my news feed, but I didn't read the whole thing. I just saw the headline, and I thought, oh, I wonder if that's going to be Billy's Tommy Tuberville this week. But I don't remember what the headline was. I just remember something stood out to me and thought it was weird. Well, Beach, a police investigation is underway after members of the Colorado football team reported they were missing jewelry following the team's 28-16 loss to UCLA at the Rose Bowl on Saturday. The UCLA Athletic Department confirmed in a statement that a report was filed with the Pasadena Police Department following the game regarding items that were reportedly missing from the Buffalo's locker room. The statement said, quote, UCLA is in communication with law enforcement, Rose Bowl Stadium officials, and the University of Colorado on the matter. Now, Beach, the type of the type or amount of jewelry or whom it belonged to has not been specified. But in a video reposted on social media by Colorado safety Cameron Silman Craig, several Buffalo players were discussing the incident. One player in the video can be heard saying, I just got mine, bro. I had the jewelry box and everything, bro. They took it off my jewelry box. Someone Craig later posted, quote, in locker room, you would think your stuff's safe, man. It's crazy. Now, both Pasadena police and private security were in attendance at the game Saturday, which featured a record crowd of 71,343, the largest of the Kelly era. Chip Coach said, quote, that's awful for anybody. You would think that when you go anywhere that your valuables are safe. Now, Beach, after starting the season 3-0 and under first-year head coach Deion Sanders, the Buffs have lost three of their past four games and sit two wins away from a bull berth. And I just found that shitty, Beach. You know, I I never thought about people going in to a locker room and stealing crap. Yeah. Um, I mean that that's uh, uh, classless for one thing. Yeah. But, but it's also L.A. Yeah, that's true. So even if you catch the guys, what's going to happen to them? Oh, nothing because it was less than a thousand bucks. They Probably. Didn't violate any. Yeah. yeah, it's just, it's just a slap on the hand. Yeah. That's what you get going into L.A. Shouldn't be bringing anything in there. I mean, no. you know, it's you, you <laughs> had yeah, you had you had the cops telling people, oh, you're going into downtown L.A. Don't wear any jewelry or Rolexes or expensive watches or anything. I, the cops telling people that I'm surprised they don't have security. If if that's the case, though, I'm surprised there's not security at the door of the locker room. Either it's locked or there's a security guy there. You know, it surprises me well, because I, there's there's how many how many. How much people's crap is there? What, 60 people? Yeah. Locker, roughly? Yeah. Yeah. So why, if you got 60 people's crap in a room, you'd think the room would be secure. Yep. But, so. uh, you know, tell me, tell people not to, to wear jewelry or watches, just making yourself a target. Mm-hmm. What if they change that instead of stop wearing jewelry? 
Don't wear such a short skirt. You're asking for it. Mm-hmm. Kind of the same thing. Mm-hmm. Are they asking for it? Because you would say that, you know, you should be able to dress however you want. Well, I should be able to wear jewelry or a nice watch if I want. Anyways. Yeah. If you know in the environment you're going into. Yeah, I guess. No, 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 your environment, right? Yeah, but but honestly, I mean, what else you could have done? Leave it all on the bus? Yeah. I so guess. anyways, so whoever stole Colorado's players' jewelry out of the locker room, you get this week's. Jackass of the week. Unbelievable. And, and, and the sad thing is they won't get caught. I mean, no. it just makes you sick. Nobody nobody pays a penalty anymore for committing a crime. And nope. it just makes you sick. Nope. You know, the, the, the cops just go in, let me file a report. That's that the cops don't solve anything. It's just report filing. You got to, we got to report. If you're a cop, why would you? The nice thing is crime is actually down in LA because these aren't crimes anymore. I know it's not reported. Yeah. It's like, I'm sorry. It's less than a thousand dollars. We're not going to do anything. So not reported crime rates going down. We're doing, (laughs) we're doing a great job cleaning up the town. All right, Beans, let's move on to our musical interlude of the week. Billy. What? It's your choice this week. Well, yes, Beach. And on our theme that we've kind of settled on for the year, my pick is from singer, pianist, and composer Elton John's seventh studio album, Goodbye Yellow Brick Road. That was the uh, that uh, album was originally released on October fifth, nineteen seventy three, as an L- double LP. I had no idea it was that old. Yeah, uh, yeah, it was not long after I was born. Fifty years old. Yep. Now the album has sold more than twenty million copies worldwide and is widely regarded as John's magnum opus. Among the seventeen tracks the album contains, the hits "Candle in the Wind," "Benny and the Jets," "Saturday Night's All Right for Fightin'," and of course the title track "Goodbye Yellow Brick Road." Now, Beach, the album was inducted in the Grammy Hall of Fame in two thousand and three. And it's uh, continued to be highly regarded in all sorts of various rankings and lists. Now, the song Goodbye Yellow Brick Road is a ballad written by English musician Elton John and songwriter Bernie Taupin. That, that was his partner, wasn't it? Yeah, Bernie Taupin was the one that wrote most of the lyrics Yeah, him Elton and, John stuff. Yeah, him and Elton John got along really well and wrote a ton of music. They together. didn't get along necessarily that great, pretty good, but they wrote together really well. They complimented each other. Yeah. Now it's the title track on the album, and it's also the uh, the is obviously a reference to L. Frank Baum's The Wizard of Oz film and book series. Mm-hmm. The lyrics written by Toppin contain autobiographical elements referring to his childhood on a farm in Lincolnshire. The song expresses a desire to get back to one's roots, a common theme of Toppin's early lyrics. Now in 2014, Toppin reflected, "It's been said many times, but Goodbye Yellow Brick Road is a cinematic album." The lyrics to the title track do say that I want to leave Oz and get back to the farm. I think that's still my M.O. these days. And it's just a great song. So here is Elton John with Goodbye Yellow Brick Road. Should I? 
I'm a huge Elton John fan. Yeah, I, I'm again. I, there's a lot of guys out there. I appreciate some of their music. Elton John, I'm like, yeah. But but again, every every song you sang said on that album, mm-hmm. they're great songs. Yeah. Have you ever heard like Mona Lisa's and Mad Hatters? What? Mona Lisa's and Mad Hatters. No. Great song. Okay, I'll have to pick it up. You know, they, I did watch that um, uh, rockumentary on him, mm-hmm. which was pretty enjoyable. He was also in. What was it? One of the King, one of the Kingsman movies, I think. Probably. It was he was the the victim in it or something like that. It was hysterical. Yeah. So I do have to appreciate the fact that he's got a great sense of humor. He does, so, but he is kind of a bitch at times. Yeah. <laughs> he is total diva. There's times where I say like, "Wow, dude, just shut up, quit being such a bitch." Alrighty, Beach. It is now time to. Well, Kyle doesn't look like he sent me in email it looks like he sent me a message on facebook so let me open it up there we go i got it all right so it is now time to re- move on to our week number 10 preview in the pack 12 are you ready to pick beach 
Week 10 and the 12. Yep. Uh, all so the games be- are on Saturday, November 4th. Okay. And uh, we will start out with Arizona State at Utah. Hard to believe we're already into November. I know. Three games left. You said Arizona State? Arizona State at Utah. Yeah, I'm gonna pick. Uh, I'm gonna pick the baby goats on this one, only for the fact they're at home. Although that didn't help them last week. Yeah, well. Kyle says Utah muss up the Sun Devils. That muss is what they call their student section. Yeah, that's. I was looking at that when I was watching the game from from the bar because you know I wasn't invited to go down to Arizona with you, and I saw that and I couldn't figure out what. Why do they call them the muss? I, did you look it up? No, I did not. I figured that's your job. Probably should. Well, my job is to bring the questions. Your job is to answer them. I wish oh, you'd understand. I, I, thought you, I thought your job was to bring the dick. Uh, you know what? That'd be you. Well, that, a that, that's a different way to bring the dick. You're just a prick with ears. Anyway, do you know what the must is about? Must is a noun that means a state of disorder. Hmm. As an acronym at the U... It has come to mean mighty Utah student section. Oh. So there you go. Okay, the mighty Utah student section in a state of disorder. Mm-hmm. Nice. So we're all so taking Utah. Go, are you going to pick? You're picking the baby goats too. Yeah. Yeah. I, I Sun uh, Sun Devils did a pretty good job uh, last week, beating uh, Wazoo, but that was at home. So. Mm-hmm. All right. Next up, Cal at Oregon. I, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna check Oregon, but I so want Cal to beat them. I just I just want that momentous occasion when the unexpected happens. Yeah. You know, like if Stanford could have pulled off that win last week, it would have been a great day. I I want to see Cal just play so far above their heads that uh, that Oregon doesn't even know what hit them. That's I, what I want to. See. I agree. That's, that's all I ask for. Yep. Kyle says. Golden Bears step in duck poop. Ducks. I, too, am taking Oregon. I bet money on the Oregon State game last week, too, when I was at the casino. That's not good. No, that sucked. Uh, Next up, Washington at USC. Washington. Husky's going to go down on some Trojans. Kyle says Washington falters. Because the Pac-12 can't have nice things. Really? Yeah. You de- USC's defense is just super suspect. But UW, yeah, UW has been looking. Scored against them last week. You think it's suspect? Yeah, but UW has been looking very beatable the last couple of weeks. Pick. Beach, I'm going to take USC. There's a point for Beach. Maybe. Mm-hmm. Either way, I'm good with it. I'm catching up. Either way, I'm good with it. All right, next up, Stanford at Washington State. Uh, 
eh, I'm going to take Wazoo. It's cold. Stanford won't know how to deal with it. Kyle says, Cougs can even screw this up. Stanford. Wow. They just, you know, I told this to a couple other people. If the Beavs had played Arizona in week four and Wazoo in week eight, they would be undefeated right now. Mm -hmm. You cut both teams. You cut both teams when they were hot and playing pretty well. Because Wazoo has not looked like the same team that beat Oregon State back in week four. Nope. Okay, so he's taking Stanford. You're taking Wazoo. I'm going to take Wazoo. Not super uh, stoked with that pick, but it'll... that would be a good game. It'd probably be a good game to watch, though. Yeah. Next up, UCLA at Arizona. Take Arizona. I think bitch tits ain't going to be able to pull one out of his ass. Kyle says UCLA also gets trapped in the desert. I'm taking UCLA. And I don't know if that's me when Arizona to take another loss, but it might be, but I'm going to take UCLA. All right. And then lastly, Beach, Oregon State at Colorado. It's going to be a good game. Yeah. Beavs just need to win. And like I said, I think they need to run it down their throats. Well, whatever we need to do, we, we need to have more aggressive defense and we need to have our more aggressive offense and we need a freaking defense that can actually tackle. Agreed. So I just, I just don't know what it is, why it just seems like, yeah, if we, we, we go to try to tackle them and we don't tackle them. No, no, we need, we need to finish, right? Good initial contact, standing them up. They need to finish the tackle. Mm-hmm. So hopefully we see more of that. Um, and I know Shiloh Sanders, the defensive back, is actually going to be kicked out for the first half because he got uh, hit with a targeting penalty in the second half of his last week's game. So, mm. And get a lot of pressure on Shadur Sanders. We need some sacks. Right? Yep, absolutely. I need a lot of sacks. Yep. I don't get any sacks at all. Yeah. Um, I was going to say I, the Arizona stadium um, had pretty good sight lines, mm. but you could tell it's pretty old. Um, interesting thing. Part of the stadium has dorms built into it. Really? Yeah. Like the oldest part of the stadium, you can see it. You can kind of tell where they've added on different, different segments here and there. Because you're like, oh, I can tell they added stuff on there. Oh, I bet that's where the stadium used to stop. And we were walking around the kind of the front side where the big scoreboard is out on the road. And there was a sign that said there was a into the concrete. It said like Pinal Hall, Pinal Hall, P-I-N-A-L. And then the other side of the scoreboard, it said Navajo Hall. And it was like I told Jess, I go, kind of reminds me of of dorms. I know LSU, uh, the, the corrupt governor in Louisiana back at the time, couldn't build a new stadium. Yeah. But he could build dorms without the approval of the legislature. So he had these two dorms built 
in a certain way. So they basically just built the stadium in between the dorms. But I was like, those look like dorms. And so then I Googled it. Sure enough, they are dorms built into the stadium. Did they do that because of the same thing? I don't know. It didn't say. It just said that they were dorms in there. But uh, first time I've been down there, uh, pretty nice. All the uh, athletic stuff seemed to be in one section. Um, Weather was really nice. Uh, One thing when we were going down there, Jess looked at the concessions and for some reason she's like looking and she goes, I want to get a margarita in a mason jar. And so they sold margaritas in these little kind of heavy duty plastic mason looking jars with an Arizona A on it. Mm-hmm. So I was like, all right, we'll go get you a margarita with a mason jar. So we got there. Mom and dad got settled and we said, hey, we, we of course, mom and dad are with us. So we got there real early and mm-hmm. it was fine because I'm like, cool, I want to walk around the stadium. So we walked over to the other side, kind of the student section side, just that side of the stadium and finally found a stand where they were selling the margaritas, but they were having trouble. They had them on, on tap, but mm-hmm. it wasn't pouring and I don't know what they'd done. And so they're like, it's going to be a while. I'm like, well, we're fine. We're waiting. You know, at that point, it was still probably like 70 minutes till kickoff. So we waited. And uh, finally, what they ended up doing is pouring it out of the canisters they had them in and putting them into just like big, like water dispenser coolers mm-hmm. and just pouring them out of there. But we waited so long. They said, you guys are on the house. And I wasn't even going to get one. But when it's free, it's like, hell yeah. So it just <laughs> had a lime margarita and I had a prickly pear margarita and we had free margaritas and mason jars. It was great. Nice. So, but uh, uh, some okay food choices. We had some um, uh, buffalo chicken nachos that were pretty good. They had a couple other looking things, but you know, inside pretty, just lots of concrete and uh, bench seating for the most part. Mm-hmm. What I thought was interesting was the bathrooms on our side, in the men's rooms, old, old as heck. Trough. Okay. You say trough. Now, you probably remember like the troughs they used to have at Husky Stadium that looked like one giant kind of stainless steel urinal. Yeah. That would like go the whole length of the wall. Yeah, just flow down. Yeah, the whole length of the wall, just like one big giant stand. No. These were porcelain sinks. That kind of trough. Uh, were they connected? Well, so there'd be just like, each spot would have like two of these porcelain giant kind of oblong sinks that you're peeing into. Mm-hmm. So you could get two, maybe three guys. If you wanted to rub elbows together up there. I mean, it was just old, <laughs> old, old, old. Don't cross the streams. Yeah. It was, it was funny. I walk in there. I was like, Oh my God. Dad's wow. like, dad walked in there at the same time. He's like, Oh, troughs. And I go, I know it's crazy. <laughs> so, but, uh, but, uh, but the stadium was just a, the other thing I didn't like about it, Beach, you know, when you go to Cal and down in front of the student section, they have one of the yell leaders with the microphone yeah. and he's yelling. And I just think that's kind of, I don't know. I, I'm not a big fan of it because he's mm. like yelling at the students trying to get them jacked up. Yeah. And it's just, I, I just, I find it distasteful. I, I just personally don't like it. Of course, I know a lot of people hate the chainsaw, but whatever. So Arizona they didn't have like a cheerleader or a yell leader with the, with the microphone. They had a DJ set up. And so he's mixing stuff and he's got a microphone where he's telling people, you know, yell, go cats and stuff. Mm-hmm. Hated it. Hated it. Felt like I was at a rave or something or like a bunch of low riders were going by because all it was, was bass. 
So he'd play a song, and I just was like, oh, I think this is Rihanna. I'm like, all I hear is bass. It was just bass. You know how screwed up the sound is at uh, at Reeser right now because it's a crummy yeah, sound like, system. That's all I heard. All I heard last time we were there was bass because of where the speakers were set up. This is all they have there is bass. Wow. It sucked. Did they play Miley Cyrus at the third quarter? Uh, no, <laughs> no, they didn't. I don't remember what they played, but it just it sucked. That part sucked. But uh, and of course the game sucked. But it was a nice night. Stadium was okay. <laughs> Easy to get in and out to, to get to our car and stuff. So how hot? How what was the temperature? Oh, during the game, probably seventies. Oh, nice. Um, I didn't even bring a sweatshirt. I was in t-shirt and shorts. Uh, Jess had shorts on. And she put a sweatshirt on, probably partway through the game. So, but the weather was perfect down there. It was like mid eighties. Also, while I was down there for the first time, had a Whataburger. You ever been to a Whataburger? No, because I wasn't invited to go down to Arizona. <clears throat> so Whataburger is kind of like, it's based out of Texas. And a lot of people compare it to In-N-Out. But good burger. I really enjoyed it. I would is have to say if Whataburger. Is In-N-Out or, or? What? Is it bigger than In-N-Out? Because it always, I mean, In-N-Out's double-doubles are not huge burgers. Yeah, they're, they're, they're big. They have a, like a junior, which is a four-inch burger. And then uh-huh. they have a regular size, which is a five-inch burger. Okay. And uh, no, really good. Um we didn't try everything on the menu. They had chili cheese fries on right now. And I mm. usually tend to stay away from chili because I don't like beans. Yeah. Right. I don't like beans, but we're sitting there and Jess had ordered dad onion rings and she got those pretty good. And I was like, screw it. We're going to order chili cheese fries. And she was like, I'm surprised. And it came, she goes, I'm surprised you ordered those. And I go, cause it's Texas. You know what? Texas doesn't put in chili beans. Beans. Exactly. So and it was the chili cheese fries are pretty good. It wasn't super liquidy. It was more like a thick, chunky, um, chili. Almost like a, like a coney sauce almost? Almost, yeah, but thicker than that. Okay. But it was pretty good. Uh, Mom and Dad each had a burger, so we all liked it. They said they eat there every once in a while. Mm. And I told Jess, if Burgerville and and uh, Whataburger were hanging from a cliff and I could only save one, probably save Whataburger. I would. I guess. The, only I was... thing, the only thing I like at Burgerville, really, is their seasonal stuff. It's just super expensive. That's why we don't go very often. Yeah, buck a buck an onion ring. Yeah, I know. It's walla walla, and, buck an onion ring. Five buck rings for five bucks. I know. So we'll go. We'll go to in a, uh, to Burgerville for onion rings, like once when they first when they come out, and then once right before they leave. Don't they do asparagus too? Deep yeah, the, asparagus? their deep fried asparagus is good. I've had the deep fried green beans are pretty good. I had that Oktoberfest burger uh, here a while back, and that was actually pretty good. Yeah, and like I said, their food's good. It's just damn expensive. Yeah, it's like twice what anybody else charges. Well, yeah. you know, they've got union employees now, too. Yeah. So, you know. Well, it's a hell of a lot more than in and out and I'd rather have in and out I went through in and out today. It was like 11 bucks. Mm-hmm. So, and you go through Burgerville, it's 20 Yeah. Anyways, well, Beach, anything else to add about what, what happened? Oh, uh, no, nothing. I just uh, I just want to see the Beavs win. Yes, they need to beat Colorado this week. Keep Keep everything on the table for themselves. And uh, like we said, next week, that kickoff for the Stanford game will be 2.30. Sausage Fest. Sausage Fest. So, Sausage Fest 2023. All right. Well, I want to thank everyone for listening to show number 209 of Illegal Participation. If you'd like to comment, send a suggestion, or ask a question, 
there's a few ways to get in touch with us heinrichtailgator at gmail dot com at heinrichtailgator on x heinrichtailgator on facebook remember to listen and subscribe on apple podcast google podcast spotify iHeartRadio. remember to leave a rating and review beach billy thanks for being here this week next week we'll have show number 210 Well, until next week, here's a great big Go Beavs. Are recording, which I believe we are. Oh, look at that. Look at that son of a bitch. We are recording. All right. You ready to just get her done? Sure. Because I got I to gotta, uh, edit it tonight and get it posted. So quick turnaround time tonight. Welcome to Illegal Participation, the official podcast of the Heiner Tail Gorder. <laughs> Beavs are now 3-8-7, and will wrap up its season next Friday when it hosts Oregon in the rivalry series presented by Safeway Alberts and Pacific Health Source Plans. Was, was that the Civil War series, Billy? Yeah. I should have edited that. Mm. Oregon State will wrap up its season next Friday. Oregon State men's soccer team earned a Pac-10. Now, Colorado. Oh, shit. I love screwing you up. (laughs) I like beer.